there. I'm author and radio host Vicki Sola, welcoming you to Persuasive Radio, Unearthly Comedy. I invite you to escape with me into the bizarre dimension of Persuasive County, where wackiness rules. The laughs begin when I morph into my alter ego, radio DJ Nikki Rodriguez, and clash with the zany alien canine humanoid, Gnisi. And now, I turn it over to my other self, Nikki. Hey there. Nikki Rodriguez here. Now picture your life being run by an elbow-high, walking, talking, wise-cracking control freak, a Jack Russell-type dog look-alike named Gnisi. Well, this has been my life. I'm a young, recent college graduate stuck in a nightmare, being accidentally trapped in Gnisi's wacko, unearthly dimension of Persuasive County has wrecked any plans for my future that I might have had. It's destroying my whole life. Stranded in Gnisi land with dangerous dimension burn and nothing but the clothes on my back, I've had to live in county leader Gnisi's mansion, work full-time at his gas broadcast network, and part-time at his gross Gnisel's restaurant. Plus, I have to take minutes for him at his county quality of life meetings. I had begun a career in radio and was even considered by some to be a workaholic. But this is ridiculous. This whole thing's been so traumatic that I can't even remember it all. Guess my brain's been protecting me by making me forget. But lately, I've been remembering different bits and pieces, but not in any real order. Just remembered a particular day after weeks and weeks of searching that I finally found my precious maroon portfolio case. I knew Gnisi had hidden it away. All my stuff had ended up at the bottom of the murky, disgusting Persuasic River when my car was shoved off the Persuasic Bridge by some invisible force. I'd barely escaped with my life. Gnisi had had the river dredged to recover my things, something I never asked him to do. For some reason, he believed that my portfolio case contained certain secrets, some that he could use for himself as bargaining chips. Speaking of secrets, unbeknown to the money-worshipping dog, one of my case's hidden compartments held $10,000 in cash. The day I'm going to tell you about here happened to be my birthday. This is how it all went down. Holy crap, I hollered, knee-deep in rubbish. I don't freaking believe it. My rapture was tempered only by the slight dread that I might be hallucinating. Maybe the oxygen was thinner up there on the fourth floor. Swaying as Gnisi's pigsty of a bedroom spun round me, I flopped onto his bare, striped, king-size mattress. I had to get my act together. Gnisi would be home any minute. He was taking me out to lunch for my birthday at the exclusive tricycle club. Don't ask me why. Forcing myself back up, I crept forward, past half a tire, an empty pizza box, 
and a heap of Ganesi's soiled, smelly aqua t-shirts. When I reached his spit-stained pillow, I froze. I wasn't dreaming. There, right out in the open, in front of my very eyes, sat my maroon portfolio. Ganesi's worn teddy bear, Yamicles, was stuffed inside. A hand-scrawled sticker that Ganesi had evidently taped to my case read, Camp Bingabunga Sleeping Bag. Uh, that's where Ganesi, as a child, had attended summer camp on Planet X's resort moon, Cronon. I yanked at the teddy, finally dislodging him after a half-dozen attempts. He'd really plumped out since I'd last seen him. According to Ganesi, Yamical's had big bones and an eating disorder. I had a strange hunch that he was filling his bear with something, but not food. Back to my portfolio. I licked my quivering lips. Oh, God, please let it be there. Let it all be there. Eyesight pulsating in tandem with my pounding heart, I reached inside my case's main compartment, pulled out my passport and shorthand outline of my novel. Both had been marked up in red pencil. The little hairball had even defaced my passport photo. He'd scribbled a handlebar mustache under my nose. I held my breath and slipped my fingers into the secret compartment, hidden behind an open seam at the bottom of the case's silky and thankfully waterproof lining. And I gasped, Nothing? Nothing there, dirty little thief. Wait, wait a minute. I'd made the same mistake before. There were two hiding places, one on each side. I plunged my fist back in and groped around, this time surfacing with four bulky wads of my hard-earned cash. Exhaling, I rifled through each bundle, twice. It was all there. Thank you, God, I whispered as tears burned down my cheeks. Happy birthday to me. I am so out of here. I began to howl. That is, until I became aware of a white-coated golden retriever, canine humanoid, glaring down at me from inside a frame, sitting atop Ganesi's prescription bottle-infested night table. A stethoscope hung from her neck. Stitched red letters on her pocket indicated that I was staring up the snooty black nostrils of Dr. Gunafina Blopperdang. Ah, Gunafina, Ganesi's former fiancé. She had broken his heart, jilted him all the way from Planet X by interdimensional email after he'd become stranded in Persuasive County. A pair of briefs polka-dotted with dimes, hung from one corner of Gunafina's tarnished frame. Splashed across the seat of the underpants was the slogan, Stomach's Bank, We Cover Your Bimbus. As I stuck my tongue out at Gunafina's glossy image, a boinging sound beneath the window, possibly that of an unlicensed fugitive kangaroo, or more likely Gnesi's pogo stick, grew louder by the second. (laughs) 
Ganesi had moved his mansion's front steps from below his front door to underneath an enormous first-floor picture window. This was, he said, to fool potential burglars. To enter through the main entrance, you had to use a pogo stick or jump really high. I always just used the side door. Anyway, I didn't have a second to waste. I couldn't let Ganesi catch me snooping around in his bedroom. I crammed my cash and passport into four inner pockets of my zillion zippered navy blue jacket. I jammed my other papers into a couple roomier outer pouches. After scooping supermarket tabloids off the floor and stuffing them into the empty portfolio, I ran out into the hallway as fast as my nearly normal legs could carry me. Yes, my legs were getting better. My dimension burn was healing. That was yet another birthday gift. Now that I had found my stuff, I just had to wait a little longer until my muscle weakness totally disappeared. Then I could safely attempt a return home to New Jersey and my old life on Earth. Be really great to leave before I came down with ooglitis, the disorder that caused Ganesi's speech impediment, or impedipudiment as he pronounced it. Just as I reached the staircase, a blaring nose honk informed me that Ganesi had returned and had no doubt banged his bulbous schnoz probably into the door on his way up. The moment I hit the first step, I realized I hadn't replaced yamicles in his, uh, sleeping bag. Cursing colorfully, I sprinted back into Ganesi's bedroom and jammed his teddy bear back inside. Phew, close call. I flew down the three curving flights of stairs and out the side door, pleased that my limbs were cooperating. And there was Ganesi, waiting for me. Get in already, he barked. I pointed to his microscopic white Porsche idling on the driveway. A tail on a spring wagged atop its trunk, vigorously. Ganesi, I won't fit. That stinking director, Ganesi. I'm a doctor and director of this here lousy county. Uh, stinking director, uh, I mean, director Ganesi, I told you I won't fit. I punched the car for emphasis. You punched my beautiful car. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now get in the car. Try to get in the car. Oh, can't we use the limo? Ganesi's luxury limousine was fully articulated and boasted 32 doors. The white vehicle slithered around corners like a snake. Limos dislocated, waiting for parts they had a special order all the way from Slipshodville. Dislocated? Yeah, her automatic GPS dragged culvert through the swamps and halfway up the river. And you know how stinking twisty the persuasive river is. He, he couldn't override the system? Nope. I designed it foolproof, you know, to cut wear and tear. Is culvert okay? Probably. Probably? I mean, probably? He'll be out of the hospital in a couple weeks, which is perfect. Limo probably won't be ready till then. 
My eyes widened. Poor Culvert, Gneesey's six-foot-tall albino mallard chauffeur, already had to put up with working for Gneesey. And now this. Eh, don't worry, Ig. Ducks always land on their bimbus. Gneesey insisted on calling me Ig. The name referred to the clumsy three-legged troglodytes that ground-pounded their way through the hills and mountains of his native planet X. I'd long given up on Gneesey ever calling me by my actual name. Gneesey glanced over at his Porsche. Lucky I remembered to roll this baby out of the trunk before Zeke put the limo in traction. He stomped over to the tiny vehicle and pointed to some dark, baseball-sized globs. Look! That lousy pokero's been defoofocating on my car! Gee! The giant crow usually sat perched atop the window ledge outside Gneesey's first-floor bathroom, shrieking, Nevermore! Nevermore! The bird always seemed to know just when the chronically constipated director was, uh, seated there. Now get in! How come, I asked, stalling for time. There's a tail on the trunk. Anti-gravitational antenna. Now, if you don't stink and get in already, we'll be early. Yep, it was Blurg, the season where time itself flowed in reverse. It was caused by Persuasive County's annual dimensional axial reversal, ended right before the big Grimace holiday, which is kind of like our Christmas. During Blurg, continued Gneesey, the Tricycle Club charges for being early. It's a very exclusive joint. Had to make resuscitations three weeks from now. Now get in! But, but, I can't roll myself up small enough to... That kangoo-garoo I brung home, he fit. And don't worry, I cleaned up his little accident off of your seat there. You brought home a kangaroo? Thought if I brung one of our county mascots to our next quality of life meeting, it would take people's minds off, uh, other junk, you know. Distract people from the real issues. A kangaroo is in the house? The marsupial's locked up in the third floor library. There's plenty of stuff for him to color up there. But, but nothing. Now will you stink and get in the lousy car already? Ah, couldn't go in my splodge. It was in the shop again. It had had a seizure on Main Drag Murgatroyd Avenue during rush hour. For 20 minutes, I'd cringed while the backfiring jalopy, jackass horn, honking nonstop, heaved and shuddered, hurling rusty fender bits sky high. Screaming pedestrians had run for cover as pieces rained down on their skulls. Had to talk my way out of a ticket, too. For pollution, the mechanic from Zeke's Pizza and Transmissions had to come cut the ignition wires before he could cart the piece of junk away. He still can't figure out what's wrong. Finally, crouching low, I backed into the Porsche's Gneesey-sized bucket seat. With great difficulty, I swiveled around to face the bird-bombed windshield. The stale-smelling vehicle's ceiling scrunched my head so far down that my chin touched my collarbone. To see straight ahead, I had to roll my eyes upward. My knees 
pinned by the blood-red dashboard, jutted up around my ears. I was a living pretzel. You look like a pretzel, observed Ganesi, plopping onto the county phone book he had duct-taped to his seat. Ugh. You're planning something, Egg, he added, turning on the wipers, the bird droppings creating a gaggy mess. I can tell you're planning something, but you ain't fooling nobody. Little did he know whose turn it was to be fooled. I just smiled. Another thing, Egg, why do you keep smiling? Uh, I don't know. I bit my lip hard. Something's gonna come wipe that grin right off of that egg face of yours. Now, let me concentrate. Gotta back all the way down this here driveway. Forgot how stinking big this car is. Even sitting atop the thick phone book, he could barely see over the dash. Director, isn't it dangerous to back all the way down such a long, curvy driveway? It ain't dangerousical. Everyone knows, except you, that driving backwards, you burn less gas. He accidentally slugged me in the ribs as he slammed the gear shift into reverse. That tree, I screamed as he zoomed out onto the roadway. You're gonna hit it. Don't worry, Ig, it's a one-way tree. The Porsche grazed the fracas tree's lumpy bronze trunk, then bounced back onto the pavement. By the time I was old enough to drive, said Ganesi, flying down Femur Avenue, I was rich enough to hire folks to do it for me. But don't worry, I've watched Flea drive. Oh, I shuddered. Ganesi's red-caped, black-furred, canine humanoid superhero pal was a nice guy, but one of the worst drivers I'd ever encountered on any planet. Exclaimed Gnesi. Oh, little old lady, let me get out of the car and help her cross the street. How do you know she even wants to cross? I asked. You really shouldn't. The Porsche screeched to a stop, and Gnesi sprang out. He tore over to the other side of the road, where an elderly human woman ambled very slowly down the sidewalk. He jumped in front of her. Hey, lady, let me help you cross the street. Get out of my way, young man. I don't want to cross the street. I just saw you and wanted to help you cross the lousy street. I figure it's nice to help old ladies cross streets. I said I don't want to cross the street. Well, you stinking looked like you did. With that, the woman began pummeling him with her rather humongous beige purse. Stinking ow! yelped Ganesi, hightailing it back to the car. You lousy humans are so ungratitudinous. Well, like I said, I really don't think you should have... Don't tell me what I shouldn't have done. I was just trying to, you know, be a good snittison. He climbed back in, slammed his door shut, and turned the ignition. After a couple minutes, Ganesi broke the silence. You know, he said, screeching onto Triple Bypass Lane, I read that if you were born during Blurg, you're actually two months younger. Younger than what? Normal people. Oh. And you know what else? No, what else? Well, Ig, when we get back home before lunch... Yeah? As I was saying before you rudely interrupticated me... I... I what? There you go, doing it again. Doing what? Don't make me change my mind, Ig. As I was trying to say, I'm giving you a surprise birthday party. 
earlier when we get home. He almost wiped out turning on to tree-lined, paperclip-shaped diaper pin drive. Well, the party's not a surprise anymore, is it? I'm surprised. Ganesi floored the gas, forcing a group of senior citizens hobbling on walkers and canes to clatter to safety. I'm surprised I'm even giving you a stinking party. Second thought, I am surprised, I said, straining to look his way. You're actually cracking your wallet open for me, aren't you? Don't worry, the bathroom guest fees alone will cover all my expenses. I'll turn a nice profit. Surprise, surprise. Ganesi had an agenda. Well, won't he be surprised when I'm history? Could be any day now, maybe even yesterday. I peeked down at my bulgy pockets. Ganesi cleared his throat. Ahem, you're smiling again. Uh, must be because you're giving me that party and it's not even gonna, you know, dent your wallet. Speaking of wallets, I expect folks will bring me over lots of purple rubber billfolds. Huh? You know, as host gifts, this being so close to Grimace, that'll put me ahead. Yep, the Grimace holiday season was in full swing. In Persuasive County, violet-tinseled dead rubber chickens ruled. Frenzied shoppers, primarily a mix of canine humanoids and humans, agonized over which purple rubber wallet to buy for whom. I couldn't understand what was so thrilling about giving or getting a purple rubber wallet. Whenever I dared question the custom, Ganesi would always answer that whoever has the most at the end wins. Whoever has the most at the end wins, said Ganesi as if he were reading my mind. Meanwhile, yeah, you just hit that blinking purple reindeer on that lawn by the house that you just sideswiped. We'd just entered Curdle Crumb Township, decked out to the max with lit inflatable purple wallets and miles of matching lights and glitter-sprayed dead rubber chickens. You see that reindeer over there? asked Ganesi as he knocked over a mailbox. The one you just hit? Yeah, see its horns? You mean its antlers? Yeah. Reindeers were made that way on Purpupus, with antelopes so you could hang tinsel and junk on them. That moment, a cluster of disembodied, vividly colored eyeballs drifted by. The evil alien markmen, their bodies temporarily invisible, must have been following us. They were all named Mark, except for their leader, Bob. Director, look! By that telephone pole you just scraped. More floating eyeballs. The bad guys... I don't see nothing. Ganesi flung a little brown bottle of repulsive at me. He had been prescribed that med because he was constantly imagining that trees, furniture, and other inanimate objects were moving around and even stalking him. Here, take one, egg. It'll make all your little eyeballs go away. Yikes! Now what, you egg? That man, you just ran over his foot. That guy in my rearview mirror? Yes. 
aren't you going to stop and see if he's all right? He's okay. He's using the foot. Huh? I see in my rearview mirror he's hopping behind us on his left foot, the one I thought I ran over. In your mirror, left and right would be reversed. Ah, the guy's probably some actress my insurance company hired, you know, to trick me. Snarling, Ganesi clicked a switch and a TV screen embedded in the center of his steering wheel came to life. My favorite episode of Angry Little Airplanes. You know, where Daddy Airplane's riding his half donkey, half cow through a blizzard in the tropics to buy his son the last two tickets in town to see Spit Without Colors farewell concert. But the boy already bought him to surprise the half donkey, half cow. Huh? But nobody knew he was half goat, too. Ate the tickets when the mailman's uncle-in-law stopped by to borrow some recycled toilet paper. You're freaking watching TV while you drive? Head rotating with each turn of the wheel, Kinesi didn't answer. You trying to kill us? You know, Egg, I'm starving. He extracted a box from his lumpy, endless pit of a t-shirt pocket, ripped it open, and submerged his snout. Mmm, I love aminal crackers, but I ain't getting at them fast enough. He turned the large cardboard container upside down over his head. Its flaps covered his sloping shoulders. Are you nuts driving with a box over your head? Don't worry. I can still see a little. In fact... I got a photographical memory. I can kind of remember where stuff is on this road. Take that box off your head or we'll end up... End up what, Egg? Freaking dead. You're weaving all over the place. We're going to be roadkill. Stuff like that only happens on the news. Besides, I always snack on the road. Yeah, while Culvert's driving. But he can't drive. He's in the hospital. That's where we're going to end up. Yeah, if I drive with low blood sugar. My overworked heart flew up into my throat. Oh my God, I croaked. We're headed straight for that big... Milk tanker, shouted the officer as he bent down to get a better look at Ganesi. I said you hit that big milk tanker. So that's what that nerve-wrecking noise was. Prying the box off his noggin, Gneesy leaped through his open window and shoved past a policeman. Excuse me, sir, where exactly do you think you're going? The deep-voiced six-foot human bore an uncanny resemblance to Justin Imbroglio, a reporter who always got under Gneesy's fur-covered skin. Ganesi skipped over to the silver rig as it lay on its side in an ocean of white, smack in the middle of Plunger Road. Let me get to that moo juice before it freezes! He began to dunk his animal crackers in the milk and shove them two-fisted into his salivating trap. The officer turned to me and shook his head. What's with your, uh, friend? Uh, he's not my friend. He's my boss. I'm sorry. Me too. Gotta go back and check on that other driver. His tanker's cracked in half. Is he okay? Yeah, but pretty traumatized, as you can imagine. 
ambulance is on its way. Are you all right? The policeman leaned in so closely I could smell his musky aftershave. Had to be Justin's brother, Ethan. Shorter hair, but same face, and same rippling physique, hugged by a close-fitting jet-black uniform. He kept staring. Anything you need? No, no thanks, I lied, forcing a weak laugh. The officer smacked the Porsche. Not a scratch, must be made of rubber. Must be, I agreed, shivering uncontrollably. The cop's hazel eyes brimmed with concern. It's warm today, but you're freezing, and you look so uncomfortable. Would you like me to go back to my cruiser and get you a blanket? Thanks, but... I'm back! Ran out of crackers before I ran out of milk. So I asked the truck driver if she had any. I winced. You didn't. If he's transpubertating milk, he must carry cookies. Anyway, he said something about stuffing them. Guess that was his way of saying he already ate them all. But I comforted him anyways, even though he couldn't be of no use to me. See him there? Yes. I told him, don't cry over spilt milk. And I told him not to worry, that I wasn't even mad that I had to watch out for pieces of broken glass when I was dunking my aminal crackers. Nah, I told him to cry for Argentina instead. You know how your earth entertainment always amuses me. My jaw dropped. Musta really touched his nerves. Grinning, a brilliant milk mustache contrasting with his grimy off-white fur, Gnisi chucked his empty container onto the pavement. If you don't go pick that up right now, warned the policeman, flexing his biceps, I'll cite you with the 337926 Section BS45 Article 39, littering a public thoroughfare. Someone else will pick it up, said Gnisi as he climbed through his window back into the Porsche. Someone else always does. Now I'm real busy and important. Gotta go. Wait a darn minute, sir. I don't care who you are. You can't just leave the scene of an accident and one that you caused. I'm already citing you for reckless driving, operating a motor vehicle while wearing a box on your head. That's a 75906, Section 4A, Article 13, and... And stinking what? I'll tell you what, you look just like someone I hate. The cop clenched his fists. And who might that be? Can't remember the lousy chump's name, but you look just like him. Looking at your dumb badge, I think you even spell your crummy names alike. Imbroglio would be the name, the cop replied, his exquisitely sculpted cheek muscles twitching. Gnisi turned his key in the ignition. You ain't one of my regugular cops, are you? They always do what I tell them to do. I need to see your license, registration... And insurance, demanded Officer Imbroglio, articulating each word clearly. Take em out slowly. Ain't showing you nothing, especially not slowly. You know who I am? I'm Great Gizigolumpicus of this here county. I sign your stinking paychecks. I know who you are, replied the officer. You leave the scene of this accident and I'll charge you with a 109627 Section 78 Article 3 and put a countywide APB out on you. 
kiss my left foot. Ganesi stuck his red high-top sneaker out of the window up toward Officer Imbroglio's nose, then gunned the gas. The Porsche farted down the road on its two rear tires. And about a half hour later, we arrived at the Tricycle Club with a bang. something was gonna come wipe that grin off of your lousy human face. I don't freaking believe this, I wailed. My legs were almost normal, and now I can hardly walk. Guess you ain't going nowheres for a while. Not that you thought you were. A couple of tricycle club busboys snickered as I clutched their arms and negotiated my way around the piles of shattered glass that had enclosed the tricycle club's distinctive Art Deco-style lobby. Sorry, bleated Ganesi. Didn't mean to actually drive into the place. The egg here was distractipating me. Yeah, right. Adding insult to injury, I'd been thrown from the vehicle, just missed taking a dip in the restaurant's fountain. You certainly do know how to make a grand entrance, director, said a waxy-faced, silk-suited gentleman, poking his silver head through a doorway. His tone was icy. Sorry, Bob. Put it on my account. Will do, and I'll have the valet guys come get your, uh, car down off the top of our vending machine. One of my, uh, smaller guys will put it in the lot. Hehe, <laughs> thanks, Bob. Car must be made of rubber, remarked one of the busboys. Bob's electric blue eyes narrowed with contempt. Lady Luck isn't exactly on your side these days, is she, Doctor? Gnesi stuffed one of his laxative health cigars into his mouth and peered up at his Porsche. It rocked gently on its roof atop the giant vending machine. Its tires were still spinning. Why won't you let him hang your coat, Ig? Nobody's gonna steal that stupid thing. I'm cold, I lied, perspiring. Must be 70 degrees, real warm for October. But it's chilly in here, I insisted, hobbling into the dimly lit dining room. Glistening bicycle frames, aluminum and titanium and reflectors, sequin saddlebags, silvery rims with ornate spokes, and every other cycling accessory imaginable adorned the walls from top to bottom. Hundreds of handlebars, sprouting lit streamers, sparkled as they hung from the black ceiling. Interesticating place, huh, Egg? I've never seen anything like it, I answered, craning my achy neck. Whoa, what the? You always gotta watch the ground. Bob there almost ran you down. Sure enough, patrons and staff zoomed around on bikes. There wasn't a table or chair in sight. Sorry, miss, apologized Bob, grinning down at me from atop a unicycle. I'll show you to your bicycle. We've reserved a red three-speeder for you. It's over there in that cozy corner. And Dr. Gnesi, your usual two-wheeler is waiting for you. Follow me. Bikes? Forgot to tell you, Ig, everyone eats riding.
How, I asked, dodging a fast-moving cyclist, can anyone eat riding a bicycle? Look around you. Everyone is, even the little kids. Handlebars got these little grooves in them to hold your tray in place. I can't eat riding a bicycle, I protested, as a unicycling waiter sped through someone's spilled beverage and splashed me like a city cab on a rainy day. You'll just have to try, Ig. Can't we sit at the bar? I pointed to a row of stools topped by shiny red bike seats. Can't eat there. That's only for drinking. Bob, can we get the Ig here some training wheels? Sorry, doctor, he replied, regarding me with a mixture of pity and amusement. We don't have training wheels. We just assume that our customers all, uh, ride. Maybe she could use the kickstand, suggested Ganesi, swerving so as not to collide with another diner who refused to make way. Everyone was too busy playing chicken to eat chicken. She can use her kickstand, agreed Bob, if she stays in that corner and doesn't ruin the dining experiences of our other customers. Well, have poopy hatch day, Ig. Order anything you want. Anything, I asked, slumped against the wall astride my two-wheeler. Yeah, I'll just decapitate it from your next paycheck. In that case, I replied, I'm really not hungry. Come on, Ig, of course you are. Don't be a soiled sport. You said you were treating. I stinkin' said I was taking you to lunch, not paying. There's a defuference. My stomach rumbled so loudly that folks turned to look. How much, I wondered aloud, pointing to what looks like the only edible item on the entire menu, is the vegetarian platter number five. Gneesey chuckled. If you have to ask, you can't afford it. An athletic, white-shirted young human glided over on his unicycle. Bad afternoon, he greeted us in the customary way that Persuasive County residents and Planet Xers do. My name's Wade. I'll be your server. How much is your lousy vagugatarian platter number five? Fourteen ninety-five, sir, replied Wade as he pedaled his unicycle in place like a swimmer treading water. Excellent choice. Wouldn't numbers four, three, two, or one be cheaper? Sir, we only have a number five. If you'd like, I'll guide you to something more affordable. Nah, don't bother. The egg here is paying. My name's Nikki, and yes, please, I'll have the vegetarian platter number five. She's one of them vegugatarians, explained Ganesi. Blindfolds her plants when she eats broccoli. One vegetarian platter number five. Excellent choice, Iggy. And you, sir? Well, answered Ganesi, riding his mountain bike in circles, I'll have one of them frummage melts. Nah, wait, doctor says I already got too much cheese in my blood. I'll just have one of them there bread sandwiches. Excellent choice, sir. And give me a bowl of fully simmered ice block soup and some blunked perumph with extra blurtle sauce on the side and bring me a chain and some grease. Trouble with your bicycle, sir? Nah, 
I just want an appetizer. Very good, sir, replied Wade, his jade eyes studying Ganesi. The auburn-haired, thirty-ish waiter's demeanor was that of an actor in training, merely tolerating his lowly job until he could land his first big break. Wade cycled back with our orders in minutes. Wow, I gaped transfixed as a waitress unicycled by, juggling flaming desserts. They charge more, warned Ganesi, for juggled food. Uh-huh. Now, Ig, began Ganesi, slurping his soup noisily, I want you to redo that Buick commercial. You mean the Buick spot? Yeah, the Buick commercial. Boglethorpe himself called to say the music bed you used made his voice sound fat. Uh-huh. I pushed some wilted parsley around on my spiked chrome plate. I stinking can't afford to lose that account. He owns the dealership. Uh-huh. I couldn't take my mind off my legs, my numb, newly injured legs. You know, Egg, I think I'll just have good old Stewie redo it. Uh-huh. Okay, whatever. You're too good, buddy Cleveland's too busy working unpaid overtime. WGAS's AM, FM, and TV stations were no longer running on autopilot. Ganesi's automated Mr. Bloopy Loop had finally self-destructed. Guess he couldn't stand working there either. So it looked like Cleve and I would never get out to celebrate my birthday together or drive downtown to pick up his new guitar. I threw my fork down. Stop playing with your food, admonished Ganesi. You'll knock your tray off of your handlebars. Uh-huh, yeah. You know, Director, I was wondering how Spot... Who? Your pet puppy, Oxymoron, who you nicknamed Spot. You know, living all alone high up in that condo in Seeming Whale Towers, I replied, stunned. The only time the poor dog had any company was when the doorman showed up several times a day to feed and walk him. Oh, him. Dunno, he ain't called lately. Why don't you just keep him at home? I mean, why bother to keep a dog? In Persuasive County, many canine humanoids kept pet dogs, tiny regular dogs. I'd been unable to convince Ganesi to let his pup come live with us in the mansion. Cleve had even offered to look after him in his cramped studio apartment. Ganesi seemed to think that supplying Spot with luxuries could replace any need for companionship. Why keep a dog, began Ganesi, when you can bark yourself? What? That's one of our revered grand oogity boogity's wise sayings. I wouldn't expect you to understand. The grand oogity boogity, the Exer's spiritual leader, was an expressionless, overgrown, toga-clad potato that arrived on the tail of a comet every year at the end of Blurg for the grimmest holiday. Ganesi dipped his bike chain into his cup of grease, threw the clanking thing up into the air, and caught it in his yapper, and swallowed it whole. Why, I asked, taking a sip of bad-tasting lukewarm water, do they call this the tricycle club? I haven't seen a tricycle yet.
Well, ma'am, answered Wade, rolling up with Gneesey's bread sandwich and blunked perumph, our chefs ride em. That's why our food's so known for its excellence. They don't have to expend energy balancing while they cook. Oh. Only busboys walk, added Gneesey. They gotta earn their wheels. Wade nodded. Weird, began Gneesey. You forgot. That's Wade. Name's Wade. Way weird? No, Wade. No way? Name's Wade, growled the waiter, doing a slow burn. It is weird. Now you forgot my side of blurtle sauce. And give me a crappuccino. Gotta stay awake this morning. K-weird? I'll get that right away, sir, answered the scarlet-faced waiter. With that, Ganesi rode off to the restroom, and it took forever for him to return. I tapped my watch. You were in the men's room for twenty minutes. Gneesey glared at me. Timing me while I'm in there? I thought you decided to stick me with a check that maybe you climbed out of a window or something. Told you before, I'm taking this out of your pay. Director, I began, anger crackling in my voice. You're not getting by with this. He stabbed his fork into his chin-high mound of perumph. It smelled like cauliflower gone bad, seasoned with sulfur and a dash of skunk. Smiling, he dipped a massive glob of the mashed potato-like mush into his headlight-shaped cup filled with pungent purple sauce. He then shoved it into his kisser. Half a foot of the tie-dyed mess hung from each corner of his mouth. It all moved upward as he chewed. Some remained glued to his fur. Totally grossed out, I had to look away. <laughs> Here's your extra parumph, announced Wade, banging another dish onto Gneesey's gumped-up steel tray. I'll try and finish it, squealed the good director as he steered around in lopsided circles. But I'll want to take home any malevolence. Malevolence, sir? You know, stinking leftovers. Wade frowned. I'll get you a doggy bag. Nah, guy with the weird name. I ain't sharing this with Spot. Hardly ever see him. Whatever, sir. I'll just bring you a waterproof receptacle so that you can bring your malevolence home. Good, the stuff's coming out of my ears. Perumph was actually pouring out of Gneesey's black triangular ears right onto his shoulders. What's the matter, Ig? Ain't you never seen someone eat till it came out of their ears? Uh, can't say I have. Hey, you doc, what do you say? It was red-headed, broken-nosed Mark flashing into our midst on a gunmetal ten-speeder. He was one of the evil Mark men. He had taken the time to create a body for himself by slathering his invisible form with mucky murk. The toxic substance coated the banks of the persuasive river. The alien's eyeballs glowed in unnatural lime green. Hey, you doc. I'm talking to you. Ganesi almost fell off his bike. Ah, uh, Mark, what's up? I expect you'll tell us. Yeah, yeah, 
stammered Ganesi as he knocked his perumph to the floor and drove through it, leaving tire tracks in the mess. Nikki here again. Yep, that sure was quite a lunch. At least I have some good news. Gnisi has actually agreed to attend therapy sessions with me to talk about some of these incidents. Our therapist is a woman named Ingeborg Scriblig. In Persuasic County, it's not unusual for people to own and run, I guess I'd call them, dual-purpose businesses. There's Zeke's Pizza and Transmissions, and the kindly Mrs. Scriblig is the proprietor of Veggie Meatball Shop, Ingeborg's Meatball Express, and she's also a licensed therapist. Persuasic County is populated by a mix of canine humanoids like Gnisi and other animal humanoids plus humans. These 15 million citizens of Planet X were stranded when their planet accidentally grazed Earth's atmosphere right over my home state of New Jersey. The mishap created a whole new dimension. Mrs. Scriblig, who has a strong Exian accent, is one of the many humans living in Persuasive County. Here's how our therapy session went. Bad afternoon, Nikki and Dr. Gnisi. Bad afternoon. Bad afternoon, Mrs. Scribbles, or whatever your name is. And call me Director Gnisi. I'm a doctor and director of this here lousy county. I'm stinking great Gizzy Galumpagus, but I shortened it to great Gizzy, you know, to conservate valuable vowels and consonants. All right, Skid and Director Gnisi, and you can both just call me Grandma. Thanks so much for seeing us, Grandma. Well, Grandma gotta see us, don't she? She got eyes in her head. I do have two of them, and they have looked over the questionnaires you both filled out in the waiting room. Now, Director, do you really think it was good to drive so recklessly with a cookie box over your head and to run away from the police? Was it nice of you to take that birthday lunch out of Nikki's pay? You invited her out. Well, why are you just staring at your red, rather grimy sneakers? Guess I should have cut eye holes in the cookie box so I could have seen better. I'm sorry, I don't think anyone should drive with a box on their head. It really ain't that dangerousical if next time I make eye holes in the lousy box. And I guess I shouldn't have made the egg pay. I'll give her back the lousy fourteen ninety-five for her dumb meal. Now that's what I like to hear. Thank you, Director. In little bits, though, a few bucks each paycheck. It was your stupid birthday. I don't think Nikki's birthday is stupid. Why do you say that? Well, Grandma, we could argue about all this junk for hours, but I gotta get back to the office. Got lots of junk to take care of. But we have a lot more to discuss. Ain't got no time to discuss nothing else now. Well then, before you go, what have you learned from all of this? That cleanliness is next to Goldilocks? Well, 
I could argue for hours, too, but instead, I'm thanking you for hanging out with us, and I look forward to next time. Now, I'm turning it back over to my alter ego, Vicky. Thanks, Nikki. Vicky here again. Thanks so much for tuning into Persuasive Radio, Unearthly Comedy. We hope you enjoyed traveling to this loopy dimension with us and that you'll come along again. Our new episodes drop every Tuesday morning. Please make sure to subscribe and tell a friend. And keep on laughing. It's a Ganesi thing. <laughs>